May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. He still can't believe this is real. He's really standing right here. The promised land, right there, the place God's people had waited for, for generations, for so, so long. Right there. He's about to enter it. Join me this morning as we step back some 3,500 years and stand there with God's people, listening to their great leader, Moses, of 40 years, give his final sermon as they're about to enter the promised land and meet a man, we'll call him Caleb, about 20 years old. He didn't see all the wonders and miracles that brought them to this point, but he's heard the stories told around the campfires of the camp underneath that vibrant desert sky that displays the same stars that his great ancestor Abraham once looked upon as he heard the stunning promises of God. And the stories he heard around those fires were just as stunning. Incredible plagues of Egypt from gnats and flies that blacked out the sun to a lamb sacrifice that saved the firstborn sons. To the incredible testimonies of what it must have been like to look through walls of water as they crossed a literal sea on dry ground. These stories, this history, they were everything to his people. And now they were everything to him. But Caleb had seen some things. He knew manna and quail. He he noticed already as a young child how it didn't matter how many races he had against his best friend around the tents, his sandals and his cloak never seemed to wear, miraculously. And he had parents who raised him to know God, to know his promises, to love his promises, who brought him to the tabernacle, taught him prayers, and taught him of the sacrifices to God, his creator. But his parents wouldn't be entering the promised land. No, his parents were part of that generation God had barred from the promised land because they had doubted right on the doorstep. When the spies went in and saw enemies they thought they couldn't face, Israel doubted God's promises. They didn't hear the, the two faithful spies in that moment that had told them that the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But instead, the Israelites and his own parents wanted to stone those spies. And so the glory of the Lord appeared to that generation and said that they would not be entering the land. But yet, even as his anger burned, his mercy burned brighter. And he said to them, Your children that you said would be taken by plunder by those enemies that they were so afraid of. I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But you, your bodies will fall in this desert. It was the wake-up call his parents' faith needed. They weren't going to doubt God's promises after that. No, in fact, they raised their son, son to embrace those promises 
They taught him to love those stories that made God's people so unique. And you know what? They even named him after one of those faithful spies who proclaimed that God would be faithful. Caleb. And so they raised their son Caleb to embrace those same promises of God. And now here he stands, about to see that come to fruition, about to enter the promised land that God had promised to his parents. Yet here Moses is going on and on about that rocky past. How again and again Israel complained and God delivered. And Israel complained and God delivered. How they begged for food and God gave it. But then they complained again with their parched throats for water and God gave it. And they complained and grumbled again and again. But yet even throughout all that, Moses reminds them, God was the Lord their God and was near them. And another place, just a little bit ago, Caleb heard, He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors. But now he's just heard the darkest part of the history. When Israel completely forgot God and worshipped a golden calf instead. And oh, the Lord's anger burned. But yet again, in his mercy, he heard his servant Moses' prayer. And Moses tells him, it was not his will to destroy you. So now after this painful history of Israel's constant and utter stubbornness and God's mercy, Moses goes on. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees? Wait, what? Caleb thinks. You can't be serious. The Lord Almighty can't be asking all this of me, all his commands, all his decrees with all my heart and soul, not a hint of doubt. Does God not hear the history that Moses just reminded me of? All the stuff my, for, my ancestors have done, my parents have done, that, that I have done? Caleb and his fellow Israelites start to think, like the disciples did in the gospel reading, that if this is God's demand, this is the perfection that he expects, then who can be saved? Certainly not us. Now Moses goes on to remind them that the highest heavens are the Lord, the earth and everything in it is his. What a daunting lawgiver and what daunting laws are before Israel. And yet Moses continues, you, yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them and he chose you their descendants above all the nations as it is today. Caleb thinks again. The almighty, all-knowing God chose my ancestors? He chose me? He chose us? Even though he knew what stubborn sinners we would be and how often we would revolt against him and reject his promises, yet he chose us? 
even as he punished them and said it was their children that would enter the land, the children they thought they would lose. And suddenly Caleb remembers and is reminded that generation, those children, it's me. But who am I to enter it either? You see, Caleb knows himself. He knows the doubts he's harbored against those spectacular stories he heard. He knows what anger and questions he brought against God during the difficult days in the desert. And he knows what a sinner he is too. But yet just as the all-knowing God chose his father and mother and his ancestors before him, so the all-knowing God in his grace chose him. And he gets to enter the promised land. We too are completely and utterly dependent on God's gracious choice. And his spectacular love has chosen us. The complete opposite of what we deserve. And Caleb realizes all of a sudden that that's what Moses' sermon is all about. It doesn't depend on him, his, his obedience, his faithfulness, his faith even. No, it depends completely and utterly on God, his creator, the one who graciously chose him. Moses goes on. Circumcise your hearts and do not be stiff-necked any longer. Caleb thinks, after all this, how could I? All that God had done, that Caleb had heard about, that Caleb had seen, and that, God, and that Moses has reminded him about. It isn't because of his parents' faithfulness, and it isn't because of his faithfulness, and it isn't because of ours. No. We are completely and utterly dependent on God's gracious choice. And our faith is utterly dependent on him. And so that's what Caleb heard from Moses just a few minutes earlier. In case there was any shred of doubt, he's reminded of it. Moses had said, it is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you are going in to take possession of the land. And now he goes on. For the Lord your God is a God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Surely that's true. Because what could we give the almighty God? What could we bribe him with? What could we bring to the table as sinners who constantly reject him? But our God, so just is also a God so gracious. And we know with Caleb that unless God had chosen us, unless he works the circumcision of our hearts, and that's a, a humbling of our hearts, a cutting down of our hearts and having repentance and trust in God alone, unless God has worked that in us and given us faith, we would be lost. We would be like the foreigner who does not know God. But then Moses says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. 
and you are to love the foreigner. Wait, what? Caleb thinks again? That this, this can't be true. The foreigner? Doesn't the Lord God see what they do? He can't possibly mean those foreigners who are sacrificing their children and taking part in these rituals around these totem poles or, or those who aren't circumcised, those who eat the dead animals, those who aren't circumcised? Why would the Lord God Almighty stoop to love the foreigner who is so appalling to him and lives in such a disgusting way? Aren't we his special possession? Aren't we his special people? I mean, look at us. We, we've done, we've, oh yeah, because we've been chosen by God in his grace. Who would I be if God didn't choose me? And suddenly Caleb shudders at the thought about what would he be? Who would he be? Where would he be if God had not graciously chose him? Because who was Caleb to have parents who raised him in the faith to be born where he was born among God's people? Who was he to have parents teach him the promises of God? Who is he to be the one now entering God's kingdom? Who's to say he wouldn't be among those foreigners taking part in those practices had God not graciously chosen him? And who are we? Who are we to have parents who brought us to the who brought God's word to us, who brought us to the font to receive baptism and the washing of forgiveness? Who were we maybe to have a friend who brought God's love to us? Who were we to have a pastor who showed up on our porch and brought us God's word? Who are we? And what would we be if God had not chosen us? Would we perhaps look like the foreigner? Had God's love not motivated those people in their faith to show love to the foreigner? And that's us. We are the foreigners without God. That's what we'd be if God had not used those people to put their faith in action and share God's love with us. Thanks be to God for that. Because without God, who's to say we wouldn't look like that world out there that we love to say needs some major fixing, has got it all wrong. God have mercy on our world. So disgusting, so revolting. But who are we to be any different? Who are we? It puts us on our knees in thankfulness for God of his gracious choice of faith that fully depends on him. And so then, who are we not to go and share God's love with the foreigner to put our faith in action? And now who are we to judge the foreigners? Knowing that that's what we'd be if, if God had not graciously chosen us. Who are we to judge even, even the drug addict who's lost everything? Who are we to judge even that person who with a mind clouded by sin is struggling? 
in with gender identity or maybe has even already changed their gender, who are we to judge that person who out speaks out against God on social media or publicly blasphemes his name because they've never been shown the love that's behind it? No. May God give us the strength to put our faith in action, a faith that fully depends on him, to put our faith in action and show the love that God showed to us first. It's the wonderful opportunity we have reflecting on that gracious choice from God. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. Caleb thinks, how could I not? Because where would I be without him? And we too, how can we not hold on with white-knuckled grip to our God whom we are fully dependent on? For he is your praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Moses booms. How can we not praise and thank our God? Because we have seen his most marvelous deeds. Like Israel and Caleb as they stood before the promised land, remembering those things God had done, we get to see his most amazing deed of all. Jesus sent to die for us. Caleb, Israel, even the prophets and the angels, the Bible tells us, long to look into these things. And we have it fully revealed. Who are we to be chosen by God to know these things? That we in his gracious choice should have faith that recognizes our dependence on him. And knows his most awesome deed of all. Jesus sacrificed and raised again. Caleb takes a deep breath. He looks around at the crowd around him. The people as far as the eye can see. And he takes it in. And Moses says, Your ancestors who went down to Egypt were 70 in all. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Suddenly that mass of people looks completely different. Suddenly Caleb sees what great evidence of God's mercy is standing right there around him. And we... We look around the people seated here. And like Caleb, we think, this shouldn't be. There should be no one here. It should be impossible. Yet here you are and here I am this morning. Because it is, as Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And so here we sit, looking to each other, as gracious evidence of God's grace, looking to what God has done as evidence of our salvation. And then like Israel, we march on, knowing what God has done behind us. 
and then with faith fully dependent on him and a faith that longs to share that love with others, we march on to our promised land, heaven, in Christ. Amen. And now we'll stand to proclaim our faith together that fully depends on